What's going on, man? It's your boy E Money as usual. Past their prime podcast, episode 209. I know it's been a minute, but we right back at it. Let's get to work. We got a packed show today. Uh, again, I'm by myself, but uh, bear with me. Come with me on this journey. I'm going to take y'all on for the next 45 minutes to an hour. We're going to get into a lot of discussion and different things going on in sports. Also want to wish a happy holidays to the listeners. Uh, it's the Christmas season. Hopefully for those who celebrate Christmas, you get some nice gifts. And you'll also enjoy bringing in a new year with your loved ones. So uh, let's get right to it. Uh, today's topics are going to be, as usual, we're going to do a week 13 recap of the National Football League. What's been going on? Uh, a lot of uh, takes on that. Also, we're going to get into our pick six games for week 14. Then uh, we're going to get into our topics, which are going to range from the NBA season, or college sports, and as usual, we're going to get into our alternative facts segment and our past their prime segment. So week 13, man, um, we're getting into the what's supposed to be the exciting part of the football season for the better half of this season, as I've been saying for all the past episodes, the product that the NFL has been putting forward hasn't been all that great. So um, it was nice to see a couple of games that people could actually enjoy. The most recent game was the AFC North game uh, between the Steelers and the Bengals, which usually is always tends to be a good game, but in recent history has kind of crossed the line as far as a good quality game to something that's becoming a little bit more violent for even the NFL that we're used to. But that's always a slippery slope. You want your players to play hard, but you also don't want anyone to get hurt. Prayers up go to Ryan Shazier, who had the back injury. Uh, for those who didn't watch the game, he tried to make a tackle. Well, he did make the tackle and immediately grabbed his back, and uh, there was no movement in his lower extremities, but... He was moving his upper extremities. He was taken out on a stretcher. Uh, reports are right now that he's still in Cincinnati in the hospital, but he's progressing uh, fairly well. During that game, we also saw a variety of penalties. And um, if you haven't been paying attention, the Bengals and Steelers, they don't like each other. So these games usually tend to be Smash mouth football, but Monday kind of crossed the line for what the public consumption is comfortable seeing. For those that are in the NFL or have played football, I'm pretty sure you've seen something like what's happened before, or even worse, maybe. When I say before, um, I mean uh, what happened on Monday. So um, the NFL has a problem. They have to figure out what type of league they want to produce. Do they want a league where there's really no hitting, no hard-nosed tackling? Because America loves violence. No matter how you want to slice it, America thrives on violence. The movies, the music that we hear, everything that we consume, that we consume, excuse me, has an element of violence. Uh, not to get off on a tangent, in that same game, Georgie Loca was uh, penalized for hitting Antonio Brown as a defensive receiver as he caught a touchdown in the end zone. That was a helmet-to-helmet hit. And also wide receiver on the Pittsburgh Steelers, Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, also was fined, um, penalized, excuse me, 
for the hit to Vontez Burfick when he was trying to block for Le'Veon Bell. So, you know, those are just some elements of violence. Uh, also, for those uh, who watched the New England Buffalo Bills game or haven't seen a clip now, Rob Gronkowski decided to assault uh, Buffalo Bills defender Tredavious White after the play was uh, blown dead and he caught an interception and Gronkowski apologized for it, but he was also suspended one game, and I'm going to touch on that a little bit more later in this episode. Uh, also, I want to touch on uh, Eagles versus the Seahawks. I knew there wasn't going to be two young boys going to Seattle and just go crazy on that defense. The defense definitely buckled down. Even with the injuries to Cam Chancellor and Richard Sherman, they were able to uh, make the Philadelphia Eagles uh, look like a formidable team still, but at the same time, they told them, you're not going to come in our house and run up to score. So the score ended up being 24-10. Russell Wilson was Russell Wilson. I must say the Eagles are still look good, even though the score doesn't say that. Um, Carson Wentz in that offense is definitely dynamic and explosive. Just the Seattle defense had a better day that day. And uh, Russell Wilson does what he does. Him and Jimmy Graham look like they're in that stretch run right now and in the groove. They got the camaraderie with each other. Doug Baldwin is always reliable. He's always going to make something happen for you. So I like Seattle going into the playoffs right now. I don't think they have enough with all the injuries that they've suffered, but I definitely like them to do some things in the playoffs. Right now they are in uh, – excuse me. Right now Seattle is 8-4. and four. And they're in the fifth seed in the NFC. So they're looking pretty good to make the playoffs. So we'll see what happens. Uh, they're one game behind the Rams, who was another surprisingly good team this year. As I've said in previous episodes, I don't know if, if it's Jeff Fisher that was the problem, but Jared Goff and Case Keenum look amazing right now. Case Keenum is leading the Minnesota Vikings in top of the NFC. They're 10-2, tied with the Eagles. They looking like they're ready to make a prime run to possibly the Super Bowl. I really like the Minnesota Vikings. I like the defense. I like Xavier Rose. I like Harrison Smith. Um, the running game has gotten back on track with Latavius Murray even after the Dalvin Cook injury. So Minnesota is definitely a team to watch out for along with the Eagles, who I've been sleeping on. I know Cole is probably going to listen to this episode and be very hyped about his Eagles, but I know he was nowhere to be found when they were getting spanked by the Seahawks. But that's neither here nor there. The Eagles are the real deal. They're definitely a team that nobody wants to see in the playoffs. Um, so those are just a couple of the things I wanted to touch on. The Chiefs, they're not looking good. I'm not sure what's going on. They're still on top of the... AFC West, but my Chargers are right there with them. We still knocking on the door. We got a chance to make the playoffs. As a matter of fact, episode 209, you heard it here first. The Los Angeles Chargers are making the playoffs. We're going to win a division. We're winning the AFC West. Book it. So the Chiefs, they lost to the Jets and uh, Thriller. That was our run them up score, and the uh, Jets ended up making a comeback to win that game. But uh, the Chiefs, I'm not sure they just got anything left. Uh, Alex Smith looks like who we thought he was. He's cooled down from those MVP talks. I don't even think he's in a contention anymore. 
The defense doesn't look the same. I don't know if it's because Eric Berry's injured. We haven't heard uh, Justin Houston's name in a little bit. Tom Bahali as well. So, I don't know. Andy Reid got his work cut out for him. They made the announcement that Alex Smith will play the remainder of the season because I'm pretty sure there's some people in the front office who want to see a return on their investment, which is uh, Patrick Mahomes, and see what he could possibly do out there. I I foresaw that maybe they will make a quarterback change if they uh, get out of the playoff contention. But if Andy Reid says that Alex Smith is the quarterback for the rest of the season, then I'll live with it. I'm not going to question it. Hopefully it's not a Giants and Eli Manning situation. We'll touch on that a little bit later too. But um, let's get right into the pick six games. Today we have... The <clears throat> excuse me, Saints at Atlanta, Vikings at Panthers, Eagles at Rams, Seahawks at Jaguars, Giants at Cowboys, and Jets at Broncos. Saints at Atlanta, right now, Atlanta, they're kind of struggling. They're on the outside looking in. I think they can, they may need to win out the rest of their games. I'm pretty sure they're gonna be able to finish out the season in a way that they can still make it to the playoffs, but I'm low on Atlanta right now. I'm not sure if Kyle Shanahan took the playbook with him, but the offense with Steve Sarkeesian as the offensive coordinator doesn't look the same. It's so hit or miss. One week we see the Julio Jones diving touchdowns and Matt Ryan um, dumping it off to whatever receiver he finds open, and then the next they struggle to score. So I'm not sure that there should be an offense who has Julio Jones, Matt Ryan, and the backfield of Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman. Yeah, should be struggling to score. That should be the last thing that you guys should be struggling to do. So we'll see. I'm not sure what is going to come of this game, but I'm picking Atlanta at home to win. I'm not comfortable with the pick. Let me not say I'm not comfortable with the pick. I am, but I'm not highly confident. I think the Saints are a team that nobody's talking about, and they're quietly 9-3. Drew Brees is playing well. He got the backfield with Alvin Kamara, who is the offensive player of the year. If the NFL doesn't tell me that Alvin Kamara is the offensive rookie player of the year, then something is wrong. Like I don't know who wants, who's voting on these awards, but they need their eyes checked because the man has just been balling. He's out of control with with him and Mark Ingram. It's like thunder and lightning out there, back to the days of Giants, uh, Tiki Barber and Ron Dane. So definitely a good game to watch. I think that might be the best game this weekend, but I'm going to go with Atlanta. I think it's going to be too much Julio Jones. I like the rookie cornerback, Marshawn Lattimore, but I think Julio Jones is going to have a good day on this Sunday. Actually, it's a Thursday game, excuse me, so... In a couple of days, you'll get to see that. Also, we have Vikings at Panthers. I think the Panthers win this one after losing to the Saints last week. I think Cam Newton is going to get the job done, as he usually does. So um, I'm going with Cam on this one. The Vikings definitely have a good defense, so Devin Funches, Christian McCaffrey will definitely be tested. But I think Cam Newton finds a way to guess this guess, guess to get this team this W this week. Excuse me. Uh, then we're going to go into the Eagles at Rams. This is definitely a good one. This tests the Eagles a lot because they just played on the road in Seattle and now they have to go into L.A. 
and uh, see the Rams with Jared Goff and Todd Gurley going crazy right now. Jared Goff definitely um, should get maybe. I'm, I'm not sure if people are eligible for comeback player of the year if they weren't injured, but he might as well would have been injured the way he was playing last year when he took over for Case Keenum. So we'll see if uh, Jared Goff is eligible for that. But he's definitely having a good year. Sammy Watkins looked like he's building a rapport with his quarterback. Todd Gurley is Todd Gurley. He's going to do what he does. He's also uh, might as well be a receiver out the backfield. And um, I really like this Rams team. They have a good defense. Uh, Aaron Donald is playing well as usual. Alec Ogletree is doing what he needs to do. So I think this is going to be a very, very good game. I'm leaning towards the Rams, but I'm going with the go with the Eagles. I think they bounce back in this one, and Carson Wentz, along with Alshon Jeffrey and Nelson Aguilar, get the job done. Hopefully, Jay Ajayi gets back on track as well. I'm going to go with the Eagles in this one. Then we have Seahawks at Jaguars. Um, I like the Jaguars a lot. But I just don't think Blake Bortles has enough to put this team over the hump. I think uh, Seattle is going to marginalize Leonard Fournette. He's going to have a good game, but he's going to get a lot of carries. And at some point, Blake Bortles is going to have to make some plays, and I just don't trust him to do that. I'm going to go with Hustle Wilson on this one. I think Seattle takes it over the Jags. Giants at Cowboys. Um... I don't think the Giants have anything left to play for for this season. Uh, they're officially eliminated from the playoff race. For some reason, Eli agreed to go back out there and play football. If I'm him, I'm not doing that. Uh, I think the Cowboys are going to spank the Giants. I think they're on a roll right now. They were being doubted against the Redskins. I think they're going to beat the Giants. And this one, I think it's going to be convincingly too, because this one is in Dallas as well. Uh, I think Dak Prescott is going to find a way to make this happen. I think Bryce Butler needs to see a little bit more targets. Uh, I'm not sure what's going on with Des Bryant, but he doesn't look like a number one receiver anymore. But we'll get to that later. And uh, I just think Dak Prescott with his arms and legs is going to will his team to a win. Although the defense is suspect, the Giants, I don't know what's going good over there because from the owner t telling the coach to sit Eli, from the coach being fired, Jerry Reese being fired, the O-line on the Giants is still a turnstile. So I'm not sure what they have planned for this game plan with the interim coach, Spagnola. So I'm going with Cowboys. I think they're going to destroy the Giants. This might be an ugly one. It's Sunday at 1. If you want to laugh at some awful football, tune into the Giants. And who would have thought in the beginning of the season and preseason that the Giants would be the laughingstock and the Jets would still be in playoff contention right now? And speaking of the Jets, that's who we're going to go to next. It's going to be Jets at Broncos. I think the Jets easily win this one. The Broncos just don't have a quarterback. They're, it's like uh, Russian roulette over there. They're just looking to see what strikes. First, there was Trevor Simeon. He was able to do a little bit and get them a couple of wins. Then they went to Brock Osweiler and Simeon couldn't evolve or do what they were asking him to do. We know what Brock is. He went in there and stunk it up as usual. 
And then they went into Paxton Lynch, who was a first-round pick a year ago. And he gets hurt, so now they have to go back to Trevor Simeon. As long as the quarterback is going back and forth, and we might see John Elway suit up at this rate because they don't know what they're going to do out there at the quarterback position. John Elway needs to address that immediately this offseason in the draft. They need to find the quarterback. This defense is too good, and offensive players as Emmanuel Sanders and Demarius Thomas have been forgotten because their quarterback is awful. This alludes to the bad quarterback play that continues to happen in the NFL right now. And as I say that, Colin Kaepernick is still unsigned. But that's neither here nor there. The owners of the NFL feel like they can do whatever they want, which they care. They're the owners of the team. But it's just beyond me that you would just refuse to put a winning product on the field because you're against, quote, unquote, people respecting the flag and the national anthem. But... That's another topic that I'm not going to belabor. Well, I've been beating that horse for months on end at this point. Um, I'm just going to keep an eye on the collusion case, and hopefully something uh, comes of that. But I appreciate all the awards that Colin Kaepernick has been getting from time to Sports Illustrated. I appreciate all the publications that are taking the time to put a light on the positive things that he's been doing in the community with his Know Your Rights camp. Also, the cleats that Eric Reed had with the Know Your Rights camp. And I, I just I appreciate the conversation that has been had at, to this point. If, if nothing comes of this, at least the conversation is being had. Some people are taking actions and doing things to better the community and better the relations between races. And I think Colin Kaepernick is one of those. Hopefully, we continue to have these discussions and move towards actions that are make things better for all humans, regardless of race. But we want the people that have been being oppressed for the past 200-some-odd years to finally find a way for us to get on equal footing as everyone else. And that's what we all ask for, is just equal footing and equal consequences and equal opportunities. That's all that any human being that's trying to be a positive to society can ask for. So um, the Jets-Broncos, like I said, I'm taking the Jets on this one. So my pick six as of today are Saints over – no, I'm sorry. Saints at Atlanta, and I pick Atlanta to win. Vikings at Panthers, I'm picking the Panthers to win. Eagles at Rams, I'm picking the Eagles to win. Seahawks at Jaguars, I'm picking the Seahawks to win. Giants at Cowboys, I got the Cowboys in an ugly one. They're going to win this one. They're going to terrorize the Giants and Jets at Broncos. I think they're going to beat the Giants, uh, excuse me, beat the Broncos as well. So uh, now we're going to get into our topics. Uh, Our first one is uh, Eli Manning going back out there now that Bob McAdoo and Jerry Reese have been fired. So now the first thing that the the team uh, told the fans and the media was that they want to move in a different direction and see what the quarterbacks behind Eli Manning have, which if it was Davis Webb, who was their third stringer, was the guy that you were going to, I think most Giants fans and most football people who enjoy watching NFL would have said, okay, you guys out of the playoffs, you're playing bad, Eli hasn't been playing all that well, okay, let's see what the younger guy um, has. But no, you go to Geno Smith, who we kind of already know who he is and what he's about with his thin- with the Jets across the locker room. So now it just gives 
the people and the fans a weird idea and it just looks confusing because you're telling me that you want to move in a, in a younger direction, different direction and see what you have. But you know what you have with Geno Smith. He's an okay to an average quarterback. And more often than not, he's going to find a way to get in his own way. He's going to throw an interception. He didn't have any turnovers in this game, but he didn't do anything that made you say, okay, we can move with him going forward. So why not give the guy Davis Webb a chance? Then you fire McAdoo and Reese that Monday after the game, and then we get reports that Eli Manning is starting again. So now Bob McAdoo is known as the person who broke Eli Manning's Iron Man streak as of consecutive starts and the only coach to be fired within the season since the 70s. I believe it's 1972. Forgive me if I'm wrong with the year. So it's just confusing. And now you're telling me that you're going back to Eli. So it gives the narrative that it was Bob McAdoo who decided to tell Eli, listen, we don't want you to play in this game, but if you want to keep your streak, we'll start you the first half, and then you can bring in uh, the younger guys, the backups in the second half. Then to add insult to injury, Davis Webb is not even active for the game against the Raiders. So now you're telling me that if something were to happen to Geno Smith, you're telling me that Eli Manning was going to have to go back into the game because he was working with the scout team, the third stringers, which Davis Webb couldn't do. So now you're telling me you've seen Davis Webb when you decided to make him inactive and you start Geno Smith in replace of Eli Manning was completely healthy, although the season is practically over. You just want to see what guys are going to do now that they know they're not making the playoffs. You want to see who you want to keep, who you want to get rid of, and how you want to build a team moving forward. And Eli Manning has done nothing but be an upstanding quarterback for this franchise for the past however many years it's been. So it's kind of confusing. And he's won two championships, two Super Bowls. So that doesn't make any sense to me. If I was Eli, he's a better man than me. I would have told them continue with Geno Smith at this point. It doesn't make sense for me to come back in the, into the huddle at this point. The season's over. You guys made your decision, and you wanted to go young, so continue going young. What's the point of me going out there at this point? I've proven to you guys over the past years what I'm about and what I bring to the field. And for the Giants fans that are crying that this is extremely disrespectful to Eli, it is, but it isn't at the same time because Eli has been progressively getting worse, and the writing was on the wall that there needed to be a quarterback change. I just thought at this point you might as well let him finish the season now and then you move in a different direction in the offseason, whether it be in the draft or you make a trade. If I'm Eli, I'm telling him I'm not coming back. This is when you enforce your no-trade clause, although you thought you never would have to use it, but I will enforce it now and tell him these are the teams that I'm comfortable being traded to, and you try to make that deal happen. And the new Giants GM, whenever they do hire him, needs to be doing a lot of – scouting in the draft. Maybe he goes after Baker Mayfield. Who knows? Maybe I don't know if Baker is ready for the New York media the way he keeps crying at Oklahoma over there in Norman. So we'll see. Um, but the new GM definitely needs to see what this team needs. O-line definitely will be the first concern of mine. And um, let's see who they look at as a possible head coach replacement. I haven't heard anything about that yet. But uh, we'll see what's going on with that. So to move on from that, I want to get into the big ball of brand, the infamous LeVar Ball in the news again. 
Uh, it all starts for me for when he took his AAU team off the court and decided for them not to play, continue playing the game because he didn't agree with some of the calls that the referee was making. Then he gets into, uh, into it with the new coach at his son's school in Chino Hills, California, and decides to take his son off the team and out of school and says that he's going to homeschool his child and get him ready for the NBA draft, which is fine. If you want to homeschool your kid, there's nothing wrong with that. Plenty of people do it. It's been done before. That's not a big deal, but that's also raises concern because now it's just second infraction where – uh, authority again and taking his AAU team off the court that happened twice in the summer already which I don't really agree with I don't know what kind of example you're trying to show the kids when you don't agree with something you just up and leave that's neither here or there but now the latest one is where I'm really really confused and I think he's putting on the wrong example and prioritizing the wrong things with his kids again I'm not persecuting him as a father. I think all three of those kids came out to be doing very well. He did a great job, but this is one instance where I completely disagree with the way he's handling this. So his kid, Leangelo, who's at UCLA, decides to steal at a Louis Vuitton store in the mall along with two other guys. In his defense, the two other guys aren't being uh, perpetrated as shoplifters and aren't getting the media spotlight, but at the same time, of all ball has created this madness, this machine that continues to discuss the ball family. So that's something that he has to take the onus on as well himself. So now he's in this whole international fiasco where supposedly Donald Trump gets involved and has the Chinese government put him on house arrest, and they eventually are able to return to the States a few days after the UCLA team has already left China for the California. They also are able to join them. And now the coach for UCLA, Steve Alford, decides to sit all three players indefinitely and suspend them from the team. So LeVar Ball feels at this point his son has already paid for his transgressions and needs to play. And if he's not going to play, he decided to take his son out of the school and he's going to get him ready for the NBA draft as well. And now LeVar Ball is telling us that all three of his sons are going to be Lakers. <laughs> um, maybe I'm crazy, but you, the Lakers already have Lonzo Ball and he's not getting off to the hottest start. Granted, that doesn't mean that he's not going to be a heck of a player going down the line, but why would the Lakers want to have all three of them when they already have the best one? So now I think LeVar is uh, living in delusions of grandeur. He's just out of touch and out of sight at this point, but I respect his ambition and willingness to get in feet first and get dirty with his kids and prepare them for the ultimate dream, which is to make an NBA as they're all looking to do, being that they've been playing basketball since they were youngins. And they're still pretty young, so I think at this point, as a father, you need to step back and let the institution that you allowed your school to go to and the coach that coaches him allow them to move forward with how they see fit, being that your son committed a crime. It's not that he violated curfew and violated team rules. He committed a crime in China. He decided to take it under his own hands and steal something that he knew wasn't his, that he needed to pay for. 
And that's something that I think needs to be punished. And this is the punishment that Steve Alford saw was the punishment that he wanted to employ with him and the other two kids that also stole. So I completely disagree with LeVar Ball. I think it's sending out the wrong message that his kids aren't to be held accountable for what they do and their actions. And that's a problem that I have with a lot of people is accountability. I have no issues admitting when I'm wrong or when someone calls me out and tells me that, okay, what you're doing is wrong here. And if they explain it to me in a way where I can see it, I have no issues um, saying, you know what, I'm wrong. I got to pay the cost for what I did, and I'll move on from there. It makes you better as a man. I think this sends the wrong message that, LeVar Ball, it seems, whenever things aren't going his way, he wants to talk himself out of it or just say, you know what, I'm not dealing with you guys anymore. I'm going to do my own thing. I think that's a slippery slope. You can't always have it your way. I tell my friends and people all the time, there's no possible way that you can win every situation. It's just not possible. Sometimes it's just not your day. Same way it's not possible to win every single game in sports. I mean, it can happen. You can have a streak where you're just winning everything, but as sooner or later, you're going to lose. You're going to have wins and losses. It's not wins or losses. You either win or you lose. Sometimes you lose. And it's not the end of the day. You just learn from it. I don't think this is something that Leangelo was going to hinder him moving forward. Him sitting a few games wasn't going to hurt him. It didn't sound like Steve Alford didn't want to play him for the rest of the season. And if he didn't, that's Steve Alford and UCLA um, are well within their rights as the head coach and institution to say he's not playing anymore because he embarrassed the UCLA brand. So that's something that I think LeVar Ball is making a big mistake on. And um, Hopefully he can see the error in his ways, but we'll see. He seems to want to talk himself into and out of any situation that he sees possible that's going to benefit him and his family, which I get to a certain extent, but I think we shouldn't sacrifice our principles and morals because the end goal is to make it to the NBA. The NBA isn't going anywhere, and Angelo is not 55 years old. He's an 18-year-old kid who made a mistake, we moved on from it. He was punished for it, and you decide to take him out because you see the punishment that he's being put through wasn't just. I just don't agree with it, but that's neither here or there. Uh, speaking of getting ready for the NBA, I want to talk a little bit about college uh, basketball. Marvin Bagley from Duke University, whew, He's the real deal. And to think that he reclassified so that he can graduate and go to Duke this year is crazy. He's supposed to be a high school or high school seniors right now. If I was a high school, I'd be irate that I'm playing against them. I wouldn't understand how this 6'11 kid is just doing everything. I've seen him work in the post. I've seen him work in the wing. I've seen him take it off the dribble. I've seen him shed defenders off of him. I think he's the number one pick. With the exception of Michael Porter Jr. getting hurt, who, who I've been hearing a lot about, Marvin Bagley, I haven't seen anything like this since Michael Beasley at Kansas State when he just went on a terrible tear for that one year, him and Kevin Durant. But I have not seen this kind of offensive prowess from a freshman kid 10 games into the season. I just haven't seen anything like it. Even that game versus Texas, he kind of wowed me and showed me that he's really ready to come out here and do what he does. 
So that's definitely someone that teams in the lower end of the NBA should be looking out for, i.e. the Bulls, Mavericks. And if the Knicks are any smart, they'll definitely start tanking some games to see if they could get into the bidding for Marvin Bagley. I think he's going to be a first overall pick in this next year's 2018 draft unless – you know, in the tournament, there's always a standout player who makes a case for himself as well. But definitely Marvin Bagley the third, definitely a name to look out for. If you haven't heard about him now, you better go watch the next Duke game that's on the schedule. Marvin Bagley the third, best Duke recruit since Kyrie Irving. You heard it here first. Definitely heard it here first. But um. Let's take a little 15-second break and let's go pay some bills. Uh, we're going to go into our segments, and we'll be right back. Our next segment is sponsored by our good friends at Divine Doobies. Divine Doobies makes unbleached 100% pure hemp rolling papers. To get an order of rolling papers, go to divinedoobies.com. Alternative facts this week is that the NFL is concerned with player safety. I think that's an alternative fact because there's been so many inconsistencies with what the NFL is worried about. It seems to me that Roger Goodell is always focused on his personal conduct policy, and even when, in the case of Ezekiel Elliott, there's hearsay. It basically came down to he said, she said, to the point that Ohio State Police didn't feel the need to charge Ezekiel Elliott or anything, and even the person investigating the incident within the NFL didn't see enough evidence for Ezekiel Elliott to be suspended. But that's neither here or there. That case is sealed and shut. He's worried about national anthem pro- 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 protest, but nothing regarding player safety has really been highlighted, and with the exception of penalties and suspensions, when things tend to go too far. But it's just so inconsistent that you immediately hand out punishment for Juju Smith-Schuster and Georgie Loca for their hits on Antonio Brown and Vontez Perfect. But Ron Gronkowski, after the play is blown dead and there's no activity during the play, he decides to do a wrestling move on a defender after he picked off Tom Brady and chalked it up to he was being frustrated because he was being held and tugged the whole way while running his route, and the referee didn't call it, which I understand. That can get frustrating during the game if it's happening constantly. But at the same time, what he did wasn't even within the lines of what we call a football play, quote-unquote, because Juju Smith-Schuster, when he knocked out Vontez Burfick, it was during a play. He was trying to block him. And normally we don't see receivers even laying that type of boom on the, on the defensive player. Same with Georgie Loca. He was trying to just draw the football out of Antonio Brown's hand after he caught it. Granted, the league has been making that call when it's helmet to helmet to throw an immediate flag. But it just seems that the rules and the regulations are being consistently refereed the way that we want them to be. As always, Ron Gronkowski's thing warrants one game, but when uh, A.J. Green got into it with Jalen Ramsey, that was no game. He just got ejected from the game. So I think Roger Goodell and the referees need to get together and find out how we consistently call these plays. Also, we see the defenses 
basically taking Cam Newton's head off even after he lets the ball go and nothing's ever called. So we have to really evaluate what the NFL is trying to do right now when they maintain player safety. And also, they need to address the these protests and the owners and the people who support and the sponsors of the NFL. They need to get over these protests. I don't think they're going anywhere. Um as long as the conversation as to what the actual topic is, which is systemic oppression and equal opportunities for all people within the NFL and in society and in our communities. So I think the owners need to drop that because I don't think that's ever going away, especially now with social media, especially now that Colin Kaepernick is being recognized by all these publications. I don't think that's something that's going to go away. I don't know if the NFL has enough hush money to offer for the entire 32 teams and the people of color that are on those teams. So that's my alternative fact this week is that the NFL main concern is player safety. I'm not sure it is. I think they just saying that because they've gone through these lawsuits and former NFL players going through different health issues, whether it be mental health or physical health, where they can't even walk or do normal day-to-day activities. So the NFL needs to figure out a way to keep the game entertaining and exciting and something that the people want to spend their their dollar to see and also keep it in a way where the game is officiated and kept clean and we lessen more and more of those head injuries. So that's my alternative fact this week. And uh, we're going to come back with our past their prime segment. The Past Their Prime segment is sponsored by our good friends of the show at G&Co. Gentlemen & Co. is a subscription box service for men's accessories and a unisex apparel line for men, women, and children. G&Co prides themselves in giving back to the community. Each box you order highlights a different black-owned business. Go to gncoapparel.com and at checkout enter Past Their Prime for 15% off your entire order. And we're back with our past their prime candidate. Uh, this week's candidate, we're going to have to go to Heartland, Texas with it. And put an X up, Des Bryant. Come on down to Applebee's and get your two for 20 and $1 margarita. Brother, it's not looking good. You're looking like a shell of yourself. The man hasn't caught 4,000 yards since the 2014 season, if I'm not mistaken. Last year, only got about 600 yards, eight touchdowns. Albay, he was hurt for half of the season. He played in nine games. This year, right now, he's looking to get about, he has about 639 yards and Five touchdowns, looking like he's about to do the same numbers he did last year. I'm sorry, last year he played in 13 games. The season before, he played in nine games, only had 400 yards and three touchdowns. And this season, he's on pace to get to about the eight touchdowns. But I think you need a little bit more for your number one receiver. He's not getting any separation from his the secondary. He's not getting um, pivotal first downs when Dak needs him in a, in a crunch. The jump balls are are coming far and few in between now. The speed just look, doesn't look like it's there anymore. 
He's not gaining yards after the catch. He's not shedding tackles the way he used to. He just looks a shell of himself. I think this is his the last time he had, like I said before, this he's had three 1,000-yard receiving seasons, and it's looking like he's on his d- decline now. It does, doesn't look like he's getting any better. It looks like he's going gonna to get slower. And it's disappointing to see a player of his talent and statute uh, come up short right now. He's been in the league for about eight seasons now. You would think that this would be the problem in his career and he would be breaking out, but Des Bryant is not one of the receivers I think of when I think of a primetime number one receiver. And I think he's being paid like one and he's being asked to perform like one and has been able to live up to that billing. So for this week's past their prom candidate, Des Bryant, come on down. Bring one of those other sorry receivers from uh, Dallas and with the exception of Cole Beasley and Bryce Butler, bring Terrence Williams with you. Y'all get the two for 20 and dollar margaritas. Y'all could probably have a sip of those, share one of them prior to the game this Sunday against the Giants. I don't think you're going to need to be completely sober to win that one, as I mentioned earlier. So, again, we're going to go into our past their prime candidate, Des Bryant. I'll turn to the facts was the NFL is worried about the concussions and uh, head trauma. That's an alternative fact. I think they're worried about the bottom dollar and keeping their investors and owners happy. And as I mentioned before, I picked six games. And this is episode 209. Again, it's your boy E-Money. Follow me on Twitter, EA Sports 718 Follow the podcast on Twitter, Pass Their Prom. Also, send us questions, comments, concerns at PassTheirProm5 at gmail.com. And there you go, episode 209. Past their prime podcast. Until next time, holla at your boy.